We walked back into the apartment last night about ten o'clock after it had been shut up all afternoon, and whew, it was a bit on the warm side. Welcome to Longleaf Breeze, beginners learning subsistence farming using three simple principles, approaching but never reaching subsistence. It's got to be fun while we're doing it, and we don't make allness statements. And now, Lee and Amanda Borden. Thanks, Adrian, and welcome to our podcast of July the 15th, 2010. A bit on the warm side is a mild way to say it. it I had closed up the apartment about 5.15 so that I could meet y'all in Montgomery for dinner, and I think it was actually closer to midnight by the time we actually got back here. Well, no, no, 11.11, I remember I noticed that. (laughs) Okay, all right, so it was a little after 11, and when we walked in, it was like this blast of hot air greeted us, and it reminded me that, you know, when you go through the rhythm of a day, you expect it to be warm or downright hot at five o'clock in the afternoon but you are accustomed to it being cooled off by 11 o'clock but not so in that apartment it was still harboring all of that hot air so that's part of our reason for talking today about uh, what it means for us to survive this summer without air conditioning and it's going fairly well although we've had to change our strategy a little bit and I think you should tell that that story ended fine because the the space is so small once you opened up the windows and turned the fan on full blast, it actually cooled off very quickly. Yeah, probably within 30 or 40 minutes it was Back to normal, yeah. Um, As comfortable as it normally is here at 11 o'clock or 12 o'clock at night. Oh, it normally is very comfortable here at 11 o'clock at night. There are several things we've done in the way we've designed the pole barn that help us keep it cool. Um, The first is that we have this... um, light-colored metal roof that res- that reflects a lot of the heat from the sun back. We are careful, we were careful to design the barn so that there is no penetration of the sun in the summertime. We have casement windows that um, allow full airflow when we open them up. It's not like a sash window where if you open it up you only get half of the airflow. Um, what else have we done with the pole barn. Oh, lots and lots of insulation, although at this in this mode we're in now, the insulation doesn't seem to have, make much difference because we've got things wide open anyway. But it, it, it is designed well. Not having that sun come in makes such a difference, and it normally is pretty cool in here, especially if we, I think we've talked on earlier uh, podcasts about trying to keep it closed up, and you know, if you closed it during the day, you'd block out a lot of the heat and it really oh yeah it feels great yeah yeah. but uh that caused the problem with the humidity oh and the other thing i wanted to mention is the stack window we have a window in the ceiling that uh 24 7 exhausts the warmest air in the room which brings in cooler air to replace it so right um, well, tell us a little bit about how that um, about our realization that closing up the envelope was not going to work. First, I should say, closing up the envelope to us means in the morning, in the cool of the morning, we close up the windows so that whatever the temperature is in the apartment in the morning, it stays closer to that all day because we don't have a lot of air flowing through the apartment. 
we've decided that won't work, and why don't you tell us right. why? Right. Well, because we discovered that our furniture was getting a nice layer of mildew all over it. And so after I spent a Sunday morning before going to church cleaning off all the furniture because I couldn't stand it, I needed to get that cleaned off, um, we decided that strategy had to change. And, and the mildew has not reappeared. No. So we, But our, our solution was twofold. One was we went out and bought a dehumidifier. And um, the dehumidifier has worked. I know it uses a lot of power. You found out 500 watts or something like that. A little more than 500 watts, yeah. Um, so it's not something you want to use all the time. But on the most humid of days, we have uh, deployed it with the apartment closed up. And it was amazing how much water it pulled out of the air. It does pull a lot of water out of the air. But let me caution what the dehumidifier does pulling 500 watts, God does for free. Right. Which is outside the humidity level is going to drop as the day goes on anyway. So if we just leave the apartment open, the humidity will drop naturally without our having to spend any money. So, But, we, but I wanted to talk a little bit about the dehumidifier okay. because its real function, like I think we were using it when we had a couple of days there that it just stayed humid outside all day. Um, maybe it was a rainy day? No, it, I think at the time we were using the dehumidifier, and, and this is worth our having this conversation about, and I know you're still enamored of the dehumidifier, but as far as I can tell, it has no useful function for us now. Because the only time I remember our using the dehumidifier is when we were trying to close up the envelope and still keep the humidity low. We, we, if you don't close up the envelope, then it does no good to run the dehumidifier. That's You're just true. Well, the Coosa what Valley. I thought I remembered about when we did it, though, was we had a day that just bear with me on this yeah. one, okay? That it was humid outside all day. It just it wasn't. It I'm not didn't. aware of one. Well, I am, and well, if it's out, if it's humid outside all day, then that means the if you run the dehumidifier and the air that's humid outside is still the windows are open. It'll just come right in. But the day I remember doing it, we did not leave the windows open. Okay, it so you're saying those, when yes, we want to close right, up the envelope, right. we can run the dehumidifier. Yeah, because it was and, one and, of those... And let the record reflect that Amanda's gritting her teeth at me. She's getting really frustrated with me. Because I'm not... I, I think I remember very clearly that we had a day that... I guess it was overcast or something. I don't know. It wasn't one of those normal... July days where, yeah, the humidity goes down in the afternoon. It was like just oppressive out there all day. So, or at least all morning, we left the place closed up. We let it run. And, and what's interesting about these dehumidifiers is you can set the level for what, you know, your target humidity level. Right. And um, the our weather station provides a very nice monitor that indicates the humidity and temperature outside and the humidity level and the temperature inside, which is useful to have. So I could monitor what is the humidity, le humidity level in the apartment. And, you know, we could see what the, you know, the, the humidifier, dehumidifier working. So it really did bring that level down to our target was 60. <clears throat> it really did bring that down to 60. Yes. And left, and, and my point was, the vat, the little collector, uh, was full of water. Yeah, it, it definitely pulls water out of the air yeah, when it yeah. runs. And then you emptied it and, and all of that. It makes a little mess emptying it. But if someone were interested in using a dehumidifier, I thought it would be useful to talk about how they work. 
because I had never used one before. Right. Um, and um, so anyway, since then, most of our days have been of that pattern that you mentioned, which is the humidity level outside goes down. We open everything up, keep the air flowing. We use, usually, when we're indoors, have the fan on, keep that air circulating. And the, the, the less humid air comes in and displaces the humidity level, the humid, humid air, and we don't have the problem so much. But um, but I, I'm glad to have the dehumidifier for the times when you do have that all-day oppressive. And lately, we haven't had them. In fact, we've had a drought. We have had very little we rain. We have. We've been really um, short of water lately. But, you know, last year with the kind of rain we were having, I could see using that then because, you know, you would you could open the windows all day long and you'd be letting in rainwater. <laughs> so, uh-huh. so, you know, we and we'll have to wait and see what, um, what next summer's like. This summer seems to have settled into a pattern of drought and then afternoon thunder showers at best. So. And when it is dry the way it is, you and I have to be really careful to stay hydrated during the day uh, in a way that we probably didn't have to struggle with that when we were living in our suburban home and the air right. conditioning and so forth. Yeah, and and especially because... We're working, I mean, I'm, we're not sitting around in this apartment all day. We're outside, and um, and when it's 90-plus degrees outside, and I think we did talk about this, or I know we mentioned it on the blog about the day that it was scary, we didn't right. stay hydrated, and uh, you started getting disoriented. So um, we kind of have to check with each other to make sure we're drinking plenty of water when we're outdoors like that. And normally we would be outside working by now. Uh, the fact that we are inside is simply because of the podcast. Um, right. So we would normally be outside and sweating and drinking lots of water to stay hydrated, right. but seeking the shade whenever we can. Um, I guess one of the the surprises that has uh, that has been present for me in all of this is we really don't have that much time to be in the shade. Yeah. Most of the work we do has to be done out in the sun. So. Yeah, it's because plants tend to like sun. You know, that's a little revelation to us. <laughs> I guess I knew that. But um, our vegetable planting has been mostly in full sun with very few exceptions. And so when we're tending or planting or weeding, it's out in the sun. And yes, I try to avoid doing it in the middle of the day, the heat of the day, Um don't want to get too much sun, don't want to have a sunstroke, any of that. But, you know, the fact of the matter is there are only so many hours in the day and you're going to be spending some time out there in that. So, And there have been plenty of times when you have been working and many times when I have been working right in the middle of the day out in yeah, the sun. Yeah. So we just wear hats and stay hydrated and wear appropriate clothing and so forth. And I think you mentioned earlier that sometimes we have found that the afternoon is actually, even though you would think it would be less pleasant, it's a better time to be outside than the mornings because the cloud cover tends to roll in in the afternoon. Yeah, that's been another one of those revelations for us is that we can be more comfortable working in the afternoon than in the morning, and it is all because of those clouds. And every now and then we get uh, chased inside because there is that thunderstorm moving in, but... We usually welcome that. <laughs> Absolutely. We're always glad to hear that distant rumbling. One, because it means we're going to get some water for the crops, but also because it almost always cools things yeah, off. Yeah. And it's very pleasant. And it's a nice break to have to run for cover under the barn and listen to the thunderstorm and so forth. Yeah. Um, 
I guess the main coping strategy we have had for dealing with the heat so far, though, is that we've just gotten used to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like we're sitting here now, it it feels pleasant to me. I would not want to be sitting in an air-conditioned space. It feels good. It's, I don't know, I haven't looked at the temperature Yeah, I don't lately. know what the temperature is either. It's in the 80s somewhere here but in the apartment. But it doesn't feel uncomfortable at all. No. And, um, so we have a ceiling fan directly above us that is uh, mo- keeping the air moving, mm-hmm. and that's pleasant. But I yeah. agree with you. This feels good now. Yeah, so, you know... I think it's a good strategy. We have turned the air conditioning on a couple of times when we've had guests. And, you know, the nice thing about, even if you're going to do that, if you live in a small space like this and well insulated, I might add, um, it cools it off quickly. Very quickly. Yeah. You can turn that air conditioner on and within 30 or 40 minutes, it's very comfortable. And then the air conditioner can coast from then on. Yeah. So, you know, another one of those advantages of living in a tiny space. It's there's just no substitute for a tiny living space. And a tiny living space that you've taken all these other steps that you've mentioned to keep yes. it. You're not having to heat up a lot of um space that's been had sunlight warming it, right. you know, and coming straight into the windows. And we don't have windows. to work against a hot attic that's right next to the ceiling or right. anything like that. Yeah, the so. insulation helps. So, it's it's all it, a, a good way to, even if you do have to employ sort of um, more, <laughs> I, I want to say 20th century technology, because that's really what air that conditioning is. That is what is. it is. It's 20th um, century technology. If you have to employ that, at least you can employ it uh, sparingly yeah. and still feel comfortable. Well, tell us what's going on on Veg Hill. Oh, lots of things. And a lot of it's really good right now. Um, because we now have all five varieties of okra producing <laughs> Fruit, and, and it's wonderful. And you are moving from okra to okra to okra, sampling and oh, remarking yes. and enjoying. And we're cooking and in, enjoying all those different kinds of okra. That's fun. Mm-hmm. And the um, we harvested some eggplant the other day. And um, the, um, black, the black-eyed peas are continuing to do well. Got our first cantaloupes. In fact, I think I'll probably harvest one today sometime as an experiment we're really not sure it's ready but we figured we would just give it a whirl it just looks like the ones you buy in the supermarket that are a little on the green side (laughs) still has some green (laughs) but um, but it's forming those little patterns on it the little netting looking patterns it's um it's doing well lots of watermelon forming they're small but they're there and um, a little disappointed in how few tomatoes we're getting our tomatoes are sad the my my hope is that the Cherokee purples that I planted later from seed, you know, started from seed indoors, transplanted outdoors, those, some of those plants are actually looking really good. And they're about to catch up with the ones that have been planted. That I guess I planted those others two months earlier. Yeah, they're coming on. But they had the benefit of the drip tape from almost the beginning. Yes. And um, they're flowering and looking good. So I hope on a future podcast we will be reporting on Cherokee purple. I hope so too. Sun hemp is continuing to grow well. It's about thigh high now, and in in the 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 tallest part of the sun hemp is close to waist high. Um, and I guess we ought to uh, go ahead and address this issue about the quality of the soil. Yes, we should. The advantage of planting sun hemp, in addition to acting as a biomass producer and a nitrogen fixer, 
is that it's giving us a nice way to gauge the quality of the soil throughout Veg Hill East. Yeah, and it's and not all good news, unfortunately. It's not all good news, yeah. <clears throat> Go ahead and talk well, about that. Well, uh, you're the one who observed it, so I'd like for you to mention specific areas where you see problems. We do. We see some areas where the sun hemp just won't grow, and it's got the same growing conditions. It's got full sun. It's got drip tape. It's you know, It's got all of the advantages. And there are some areas where it's growing really well, like I say, close to waist high after a little more than a month. And then there are other areas where, um, you know, 12, 14 inches or so. Yeah, it's pitiful. (laughs) I think you can chalk that up purely to variations in the quality of the soil. And these are areas that are really right next door to each other. So it's, uh, I don't think it's differences in the formation of the soil. I think... I, I'm my my best guess is that there are still still some allelopathic toxins left in the soil in some areas left over from the trees that were growing there very recently. Could be, yeah. So we'll try building that soil up. We thought about just planting daikon radishes there. Exactly. See if we can get some and maybe some compost. Yeah. To um, sweeten that up a little bit, but it is an interesting issue. Uh, you said that one of your peach trees is looking poorly. Yeah, the, the, our two peach trees have not done as well as some of the other uh, orchard trees all summer. And um, one in particular of the, of the pear, we, uh, I don't mean pear, I mean P-A-I-R, one of the pear of peach trees. Okay. Actually, our pear trees are doing pretty well. Um, but so what I tried was we'd been watering them off and on, probably not enough, but I put some compost around the base of the two trees and of the of the peach trees and then uh, some more mulch and watered them really well the other day and I'll continue to do that and hope that it helps. Okay. And these are June gold. June peaches. gold, right. Okay. Um the other trees are doing pretty well. We have those two AU rubrum plums that aren't growing very much but they don't appear to be dying. Actually that June gold isn't dying either. It's just not growing. I don't see a lot of new growth. Whereas the apple trees and the other plum trees, the fig trees, the pear trees all have new growth, which yeah. um, is good. So we'll continue working on that and um, hopefully bring those peach trees through the through the season okay. Yeah. I've been keeping the bush hog busy. It's quite difficult to change the implement on tractor, the, the rear implement. So particularly it's difficult to put the bush hog on. It takes... It's not that difficult, but it makes it takes normally 15 minutes or so to put the bush hog on and get it working and balanced and so forth. So whenever I get it on, I want to do everything I can with it, and that's what I've been doing. I've, I've bush hogged all of the trails now, and we just realized this morning that there's one section over on the rifle range side that I need to hit, and uh, then we'll be ready to take the bush hog off and put the chipper back on and get busy with some mulching because we need mulch on veg hill yes we do we've basically used up our supply of longleaf breeze mulch that is the mulch we had already chipped up and produced here on the farm and now we need to go out and make some more i know luckily we can do that well before we go could you talk a little bit about your discovery when you went to turn the compost the other day? <laughs> we have maggots in our compost, which to people who are not accustomed to dealing with compost must sound like a horrible thing to find. But in fact, we view it as good news. 
these You don't mag- just view it that way. You've, you've read Yeah, we've learned on from doing research science. on it and so forth. These are not housefly maggots. They are soldier fly maggots. Uh, good to have around. They eat up the food items that we throw into the compost and render them through their poop in a form that makes them easier for the bacteria to uh, digest and break down and so forth. So it's uh, an interesting discovery, but uh, it seems to be a good one. Right. So, And we, we have learned this year that compost is invaluable. Um, it can solve a multitude of sins for us. So we hope that uh, we'll continue to build some good compost. And we will work to stay cool and hope you will as well. And we will look forward to visiting with you next week. You've been listening to Longleaf Breeze with Lee and Amanda Borden. We'd love to hear from you. You can call the farm at 334-625-8682. Send email to letters at longleafbreeze.com. Or you can send us honest-to-goodness mail at P.O. Box 780-446, Tallahassee, Alabama 36078. To browse our archive, to learn more about the farm and about Lee and Amanda, and to talk with other listeners, visit us at longleafbreeze.com. Thanks for listening. See you next week.